Got some life in you today? All right. Praise God. Luke chapter 2. Hallelujah. Let's read some of what we call from the Bible the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. And it says, and it came to pass. I love those words. Amen. For centuries, for millennia even, God talked about the arrival of the Messiah. So let's not pass over the words. It took thousands of years. It took, it took all that time of laying groundwork. It took prophets being moved upon accurately to speak forth who the Messiah would be, how He would come, His manner of death. Amen. The law was given. Israel raised up. Many, many things were done and said. And, you know, even Abraham, in symbolic covenant terms, had to take his covenant son Isaac up onto the mount to offer him unto God to make an entrance for God to be able to give his son. And so it's so easy, isn't it, to just read over simple words, it came to pass. But I tell you what, you and I wouldn't be here today doing this, being where we are, knowing what we, had we not been able to say, come on, it, it came to pass. Come on, it came to pass. Amen. Glory to God. All of the good things that do and have and will come to pass from God in your life only do so because this event came to pass. And so with a new and fresh understanding, we say it again, and it came to pass. <laughs> In those days that there was and went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused or engaged wife, being great with child. That means she was ready to give birth late in her term. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Isn't that a fun King James word, manger? I mean, that's a, that's a nice sounding word. What is it? It's a feeding trough. It's an animal feed trough. Many of us here in Kentucky, we use those every day. And because there was no room for them in the inn, and there, was, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good, tide, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ. That's not his last name. That's a, that's a, 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 a title for the Messiah, the Anointed One that was long looked for, sought for, and prophesied, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, a feed trough. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. And it came to pass. <laughs> and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one unto another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Amen. And uh, so praise God. Thank God that it came to pass. Amen. That the Son of God, the Ancient of Days, the Bright and the Morning Star, yeah. the Alpha and the Omega, yeah. the One who manifest before Israel in the daytime as a pillar of cloud by day and of fire by night. He came to earth and became flesh. He identified with humanity in fullness. Amen. He volunteered to do what was needed. To do what no other human being would be qualified to do. To be the redemptive sacrifice that would pay the debt of all the sin of all the world, right. yours and mine, and everyone else. Amen. Amen. Thank God that it came to pass. When I was praying in preparation for ministry today, this uh, sense came up in me that I should uh, look and study and then minister uh, this morning about one of, if not the greatest lessons that we can glean from the birth of Christ, and that is the lesson of humility. The lesson of humility. Aren't you excited? Amen. <laughs> Amen. And uh, praise God. You know, salvation wouldn't be if Jesus wasn't humble. As I'll try to help you this, uh, see this morning with the Lord's help, uh, if He had not been humble, He would not have come. He would not have been willing to give up what He gave up. He would not have been willing to go through what He went through if He did not have divine, fully matured humility at work in His character, at work in His being. Amen? So we celebrate His humility. But more than that, we are called of God in Scripture to let Christ be our example in all things. You all do remember that, right? The goal is to be like Him. That's the goal. That's the aim. Is through the power of the Word of God, through the ministry gifts that God has given, through the inward and ongoing work of the Holy Spirit and God's grace in our life, the goal is to be made like Him. Amen. That's the end result is, yes, you'll be the individual, the unique individual God created you to be, but you'll be like Him. That's right. You'll think like Him, you'll do like Him, you'll decide like Him, you'll love like Him, you'll obey like Him, you'll be humble like He is humble. Like most precious things in life, no one arrives at the humble life by accident. You're only going to follow into Christ's example in humility if you do so consciously and on purpose, and not all of it is going to be fun. Amen. Amen. 
Because we all, we all, I said we all deal with pride. Amen. Uh, you know, we all just deal with it. Uh, because pride has just been infused in this, you know, this vessel of earth and clay. You know, it's good to be reminded that what part of us was born again? What part of us has been eternally changed and instantly made like Him? Only our inward man, our, our spirit man is alive unto Him. But do you know the flesh you carried into the building with you today is of the same nature and quality as the worst sinner in Paducah? Your, your flesh is just as, it'll, just, it'll tend toward evil just like, you know, Joe Sinner. Absolutely. If we don't learn to harness our flesh, amen, and the unrenewed parts of us, get our minds renewed on the Word of God, then your, your flesh will do anything. I said your flesh, my flesh will do anything. And so we have to be reminded of that. And so I want to be like my master. I want, to, I want to look like Him. I want to be like Him. I want, to, I want to talk like Him. I want to love like He loved. Amen. And if I'm going to do that, then I'm going to have to walk this walk and take this journey toward becoming humble like He is humble. Amen. You know, uh, even the video sort of illustrated in the coming of Christ, why did so many of God's own people, I mean, Supremely educated, uh, educated the, the, the primo Jew of the Jew. The, you know, those that were on the Sanhedrin, those that uh, were the rabbi. How come the religious elite in the day of Jesus' birth didn't recognize or receive Jesus? Now, they knew their Bible, they knew their Torah. And because they knew their Torah, they should have known, even from the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel prophesied to the day that their Messiah would ride, uh, would ride on a donkey that had never been ridden into the streets of Jerusalem. Daniel prophesied it to the day on the calendar over 700 years before it happened. So every Jew that really knew their Bible should have been on that street in Jerusalem, and many of them were. Many of them were. But they did not accept who arrived. They did not accept him and receive him though he was there and fulfilled the prophecy to the T. Why? Because they were looking for the Messiah through the lens of human pride. Not the spiritually discerning eyes of humility and truth. They missed. Notice who came. Who came to the end? Who, who, who recognized the significance of the star? Who, 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 who got to be there to, to see Mary uh, and to see the witness, the sign that we just read about, that you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger? Who, who saw that? Who got to be there? Who witnessed it? Who worshipped? Well, Nicodemus wasn't there. The high priest didn't come. King Herod wasn't there. The elites of, of religious society, they weren't there. Amen? Because he did not come as they expected him to come. God did not uh, choose his entrance to come through pomp 
and through circumstance and through earthly fame. And, you know, and today, we've, our society, we've, we've really, because we've got the technology and thing, when we want to do it up, I mean, we can do it, right? I mean, I was there, Rex and I were, happened to be in Oklahoma on a, a very brief vacation a few weeks ago. Uh, and uh, we were leaving, uh, well, we had one more day, let me say it that way. And I was laying there scrolling through Facebook and we knew that our university, that I graduated, my alma mater, the University of Oklahoma, had lost its football coach. And they were deep into the search, and we knew that they had uh, hired Coach Venables. Woo! Uh, you don't have to be excited about that. So <laughs> anyway, they had hired Coach Venables, and they, were, they, they advertised late that night that it came out that they were going to have an in-person welcome and public event and press conference and celebration. I said, Rex, we never get to go to any OU stuff. Let's go. It's open to the public. So we stood out in the cold and uh, with hundreds and hundreds of people. And uh, they let us in. And I mean, just to introduce a football coach. I mean, there was media. The president of the university was there. You know, the regents and the governors. And I mean, just everybody there. And when, they, when he came out on the stage, there was confetti cannons and pyrotechnics and fireworks and... And if you've ever listened to, you know, watch those shows like America's Got Talent or The Voice and with the laser light shows, and we know how to introduce somebody, right? And, and you got to go back. That's the kind of entrance. They were expecting a conquering king, a glorious king, an almighty king who would come in and rid Israel of their Roman oppressors and restore Israel's majesty in Jerusalem in earthly fame and victory. And you know, that is coming. That is coming one day. That's the next time he comes. That, that's the way it will be. But not his first coming. Amen. And so they were, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for the pyrotechnics. They were looking for the pomp and the circumstance. And they missed it. Yeah. I said they missed it. Yeah. Amen. Because God came in a very humble way. But you know, this was prophesied. Let me just quote this to you from Isaiah, the great uh, Messianic chapter. Isaiah 53, uh, in verse 2 and 3, I'll read it from the Amplified Translation. It says, For the servant of God, of course this is a prophecy about the coming Messiah, For the servant of God grew up before him like a tender plant, and like a root out of dry ground. Now if you looked at a root, okay, just walking by, and you looked at a root that had sprung up and pierced dry ground, would you stop and go, wow! Whoop! That's amazing. Did y'all see that? No, you just walk right by it. And that's what he's endeavoring uh, to communicate about how the servant of God would grow up. And like a root out of dry ground. Now notice this. He has no form or comeliness. And the Amplified helps us understand that by saying no royal or kingly pomp. Amen? That we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Did the prophets tell us? He said, you'll have to look and recognize the supernatural in the ordinary. Amen. And most miss that. But it's right there in black and white. No beauty that they should desire him. He was despised and rejected and forsaken by men. A man of sorrows and pains, he was acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we did not appreciate his worth, amen, or have any esteem for him. 
And our society is suffering for, the, for that mentality today. We don't appreciate the worth of Jesus. In America, we're so blessed, there's a church literally on almost every street corner. Amen? But people don't appreciate His worth. Yeah. They don't properly esteem His value. Let me read verse 2 in the God's Word translation. It says, He grew up in His presence like a young tree, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that would make us look at Him. Amen? He had nothing in appearance that would make us desire Him. You know, I've made this mistake. Uh, you know, I've made this mistake uh, in this way. I uh, am in a ministerial fellowship, and when we all get together, it's just so wonderful, but I've made the mistake sometimes of you just you look at the physical presence of a person, and you don't readily see the greatness of the anointing and the revelation and the power of what's in them from God to minister. And Kentucky, one of Kentucky's own is part of this fellowship, not me. It's a man named Ken Cowan, Reverend Ken Cowan. He's been in this pulpit before. It's been several years. He lives in Bowling Green, a traveling minister. And to look at our brother Ken. Amen? Shorter stature. Kind of round. Little bald on top. And he is Kentucky through and through. And, and I'm sorry, Reverend Ken, if you're watching. Uh, but we would fellowship. I knew he had a traveling ministry. I knew, I knew God used him. Uh, but then God began to quicken me about having him come and ministering here. And in my natural mind, I went, when you, measure, when you just try to measure people up in the natural, based on who you could have come, sorry, I'm telling you, I'm telling off of myself here, and uh, I just didn't see it. I'd never heard him minister. I never saw him minister. And, but the Lord wouldn't, he, no, he kept dealing with me about it. And I had an occasion where uh, I was going to be away, I think. And I knew that he lived just a couple of hours away. And I, I called him to see if he was available when he came. You were here. Anybody y'all remember? Now, how many of you made the same mistake I did? Who is this pudgy little preacher here from Kentucky and Bowling Green? What's this going to be like? O-M-G. What came out of him? Humor. Humor. What did he say about the biscuit? The hair and the biscuit. I don't know. I don't, it's just, wow. But so much revelation, such deep truth, such mature when I say that, I mean fully developed yes. ministry. Yes. So effective flowed out of him. Yeah. And I repented. Right. I repented. Amen. Well, it's like that with the Messiah. Amen. People just thought he's going to show up in a royal purple robe on a chariot. Right. Not coming into town on a donkey. With a bunch of peasants waving, waving green leaves at him. Right. But that's who he is. Amen. And I said, that's who he was. Yeah, that's right. Let's go over to the book of Philippians. Y'all all right? Yeah. 
And before time gets away, let's get a little bit into the meat of this. Hallelujah. This is such a profound passage of Scripture in your Bible. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. If there be, therefore, Paul said, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, how many of you know that's, there, there is in all those accounts, mm-hmm. fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded. Amen. You know, all of us in this church, we're supposed to think alike yeah. about the most important things. Amen. We're not all supposed to be clones of each other. But concerning the word, concerning the mission, concerning the vision, we're supposed to be like-minded. The Spirit of God, Paul is making this plea to the church at Philippi that they be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, that means unity, and of one mind or one mindset. Amen. Amen. Let nothing be done, how? Through strife. Or empty glory, vain glory. But notice this, in lowliness of mind. Right there, you just got the biblical definition of humility. What is humility? It is to be of a lowly mind. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Now, how many of us are supposed to have lowliness of mind? All of us except our wonderful pastor. No, even him. Amen. Praise God. We're all supposed to have lowliness of mind. Let each, how many? Each of us esteem the other better than ourself. Now don't say anything out loud, but internally check your heart. Do you really? Think of others more importantly than you think of yourself. Do I? Amen. And maybe I did on Monday, but I didn't on Friday. (laughs) Amen. How many days of the week should this be true of us? Every day. Verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Then again he says, let this mind, or uh, the better translation would be attitude. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now he's going to take us back to the Christmas story right here. Amen? Who being in the form of God. When was that? Before he took on flesh. Being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's a confusing phrase. We'll clarify that in a minute but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, a bondservant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he, he, somebody in the back, help me. He, he humbled himself. Who did it? He did it. Did God do it to him? He humbled himself. If you're going to be humble, who's going to do it? You are. Now, God knows how to humble folks. God God knows how to humble folks. 
How do you know if God was inclined? He could pull out every skeleton in your closet and tail off on you. He's not going to. He doesn't want to. But he sure knows how to bring you down. Amen. Amen. I mean, when my, when my head starts going, he knows how to pop that bubble on me, right? And you know how he does it most of the time? Through the pin needle of my wife. She, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm thankful. I'm not thankful at the moment when she pops the pin, but I, I am thankful that, that she, in a, in a wonderful way, lets me know that I am not all that. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. All right, you need somebody in your life like that too. So he humbled himself. Now, when did he do that? In this context, when did he humble himself? Well, before he was born a man. So do you see what I said? To get to here, to get to the manger, what did he have to do? He didn't do that apart from the flow of humility. He had to humble himself. Amen. And so he did that. And furthermore, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did God exalt Jesus? Did he exalt him to the highest place that he could be exalted? Amen. In the end, did Jesus lose anything? No. He didn't. Praise God. Let me read some of this uh, in the Amplified Translation, and then we'll make some comments here because I'm looking at the clock. Uh, picking it up in verse 5 from the Amplified Translation, it says, Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. So again, we have this direct instruction. Look at Him. Look at, look at his entrance. Look at how he got here, what drove him to come. And then look at how he lived and how humility was the flow of everything he did. It was behind all of his motiva- motivating, all of his thoughts and his direction and his everything. And he says, his attitude, Brett, that should be your attitude. His purpose in humility, Jerry, that should be your purpose in humility. The humbleness of mind that he carried in his heart and thoughts Miss Kathy should be what you and I aspire to have operating in us. You believe it's possible? I said, do you believe it's possible? Amen. Absolutely it's possible with His help. Then I love this in the Amplified. It goes on and says, let Him be your example in humility. Now I'm trying, but see, I'm not your example in humility. He is. Amen. Who, although being essentially one with God, how I many you know Jesus is God? You all do know that. Jesus is God. He is deity. He shared an equal place, amen, in the, in the Trinity of God and does today. Amen. And he's saying, though being that, and in the form of God, he possessed the fullness of all the attributes which make God God. Now, notice this did not think. He did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped 
or retained. In other words, as God, when the assignment to be man's redeemer came up, he would not let himself think of what he was going to have to give up. Now, it's an inferior analogy, but it might help you. You remember in Superman. Superman, you know, tell me some of the things Superman could do. He could fly. Laser. That's one of my favorite features. Wouldn't that be cool? Someone does you wrong. Superhuman speed. Oh, laser eyes, he took yours. Remember, he could hear everything. He could see through walls. He could, bullets would bounce off of his chest. Bulletproof. Huh? Ice, the ice, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. I mean, he had godlike, superhuman qualities, but he fell in love. Oh, the power, the bewitching power of a woman. Right? Lois Lane. And, and he, he got it in his head, right? That he wanted to identify with her as a human. And not have all the distraction of superhuman powers. Remember what he did? He went into the crystal chamber. He went into, this, he went into the crystal chamber. And the glowing thing, you know, sound came on. And when he stepped out, guess what? Now, he's the same being. He's the same person. But he voluntarily laid aside all his ability to fly. Circle the earth real fast. You know? All of the things he was able to do so that he could identify with her on a human level. Well, in a very inferior way, I mean, Jesus is infinitely, supremely more powerful. We're talking planets come out of His being. Right. <laughs> you know, and universes right. Amen. flow out of His being. Right. And this is saying that He laid all of these attributes He possessed from eternity past. He did not think of them as to be something to be selfishly held on to. Yeah. But He just laid them aside. This is him humbling himself. And the next thing he knows, I'm sure he wasn't conscious of it, he's floating around in the womb of a human mother. And when he's born, he cannot jump from galaxy to galaxy. He cannot appear and disappear. In fact, after, as, as Mary taught him to walk, guess what happens? No doubt he stumbles and scrapes his knee and felt pain. And now all the limitations and the indignities of being human, he took upon himself. What do you have to have operating in you to do that? Humility. Now, is he thinking himself less than? A lot of people are they, they, they're confused about what humility is. They think to be uh, humble means to be self-abasing. You know, to be degradating is a better word. 
to oneself, to think down on oneself and call that humble. Some people think it's, it's humble to be poor and to be broke, but that's not biblical. No. You know, one of the most, one of the most dominant traits of true humility is honesty. What, what does pride do? Pride believes lies. And pride tells lies about itself. Lucifer, who authored pride, that's what he did. He believed he was as good as God. He believed he was as strong as God. And he believed he was just as and even more so deserving to sit where God sits. All lies. He believed them. And he talked them. And he was punished. Well, what does pride do? Pride believes lies about ourself. In both directions. If you want to talk yourself because you think it's humble into believing that you're less than really what you are, then that's pride. It's pride. And then, of course, if you're on this other side, you're going to try to make yourself out to be something. I get people around me sometimes, and you can tell they're trying to be spiritual. Bless your heart. And I just know you're far away from it. And you're even showing it more trying to impress me. And people try to get around Pastor Nancy and Dr. Dufresne, preachers, and try to impress them with all their great revelation. Amen? What, is hum- what does humility do? It's just honest. Here, you know, lowliness of mind, what does that mean? Humility doesn't mean think less of yourself. Humility means think of yourself less. I'm going to say that again. Being humble doesn't mean I think less of myself. I don't think, I don't think down on myself. Those thoughts are of the devil. I like the way I look. I used to not. I like the way I look today. Amen? You proud thing. That's not, that's not pride. For me to make you feel like I don't like myself, which would be dishonest, would be pride. Pride is not thinking less of yourself. Pride is thinking of yourself less. Here's another way. Don't, don't say anything. <laughs> don't say anything out loud. But honestly, judge yourself. How much of your inward thought life, moment by moment, is centered up on you? That'll tell you how humble or how proud you are. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I haven't lost y'all, have I? Y'all are, kind of, y'all are real quiet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus said in the Amplified here, verse 6, He did not think this equality, all of His divine attributes, were a thing to be selfishly grasped or retrained. But notice verse 7 says He stripped Himself. Yeah. The, the Greek word there is not stripped, it's emptied. Yeah. He, he did what Superman did. Right. He emptied Himself of all of His privileges and rightful dignity. You know, if he did come with pomp and circumstance, he'd be worthy of it. But that's not how he came. So as to assume the guise, or I'd say disguise, of a servant, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further, amen, and carried his obedience to the extreme. Wow. How extreme. He entered hell at God's 
request. He went like Star Trek, where no man had gone before, and come back. Think about the assignment. And he had one word of promise to hang on to from his father. Resurrection. And he had to enter into the regions of the damned, separate from his fa- separated from his father, for you, for me. And in faith, in that one word resurrection from his father, that it would all be, he was totally dependent. See, that's another, it's another trait about humility is I don't live an independent life. I recognize I need help. Anybody here? Do you get that? To have another heartbeat, guess what? You need help. To have your lungs inflate and inflate again. Now, a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people don't believe that. But the Bible says, if that matters to you, it matters to me, in Acts 17, that it's in Him that we live and that we move and that we have our very being. We have our very existence. So if you're going to have another breath and not fall out on the floor and us have to carry you out to the back, God's going to have to be faithful to you in the next moment. A lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people, that's why they don't come to God. They don't want to acknowledge the truth that there is a God and that they need Him. It's pig-headed pride, isn't it? Stubborn, ugly, pig-headed pride. And a lot of men are very proud. They're very proud. I don't need God's help to pay my bills. A lot of them, they don't, want, they don't think they're getting God's help. I don't want, I'll take care of it. It's my responsibility. I will do it. Well, who's going to give you the strength to get out of bed? Who's going to create an opportunity for someone to give you a job? Again, who's going to keep your heart beating? No, we need the Lord's help. I need the Lord's help. See, the, the, the independent spirit, amen, is a manifestation of pride. And I am not too proud to just be able to say, I, God, I need your help. You know who gets God's grace? Who gets, God, who gets the help? I'm looking at the time, but do we need to take you there? I mean, the Bible says, submit yourself therefore unto God. Amen. Resist the devil and then he'll flee from you. For God gives grace to the humble, but to the proud, he resists. Could you be God's child and you really love him? And you're his child and he loves you, but he's actively opposing you because of pride? How many of you could use some more grace? Some more of God's ability, his favor, his power at work in your life. Well, who does he give the grace to? Well, he gives it to Christians. No, he doesn't. He gives it to humble Christians. He gives it to the humble. But if we want to stubbornly say, I can raise my kids without God. I don't need God's help. I don't have to go to that church. I don't need that preacher. I do this on my own. I, I'm educated. I got connections. Well, I hope that's really true because you won't have his help. I won't have his help if I act like that, if I think like that. Let's get off the first page of my notes here and make you feel better. 
<laughs> We're almost, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So just a couple things here to make sure you, don't, you leave with. If we're humble, we're humble in mind, we're humble in thought. Yeah. Yeah. I, when, when it was time for him to be born, um, for he, we, we obviously saw he had to humble himself to do that. And he did. Who was he thinking about? What was he thinking about that motivated him to do that? Number one, yeah, he's thinking about us. He's think, aren't you glad? Yes. He's thinking about a lost, unredeemed, sin-bound, Satan-cursed, hell-destined human race that has no hope and no way out unless he takes on the assignment and succeeds. But who else is he thinking about? He's not just thinking about us. He's thinking about his Father. And I believe that was paramount before he thought about us. Why did he so freely and readily lay aside? Well, when he got here and raised up, began to talk to us, and Matthew and Mark, Luke, John, they recorded what he said. He said, of my own will, I don't do anything. Of my own will, I do nothing. He even said, of my own self, I can do nothing. A lot of people think that Jesus walked on water because he was Jesus. You know, that's not true. Jesus walked on water because His Father helped Him. Yeah. See, he, he became a man. He can't do Superman stuff on earth without God and the Holy Ghost. Not because He's not deity. He's deity. Don't, don't, I didn't say that. He's deity. He's Superman. But He just laid all that stuff aside. He said, of my, and He said, I didn't say, He said, I don't come to do my own will. I come to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. He said, I only say what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see my Father do. He didn't have His own agenda. So when you get up in the morning, you're going to be humble like Jesus. What should your goal be? Only to do what you saw your Father do. You know what that's going to require? Fellowship with God. You're going to have to see Him do some stuff through you. You're going to have to be in the Word. You're going to have to learn to hear His voice so that you can only say what you heard the Father say. Yes. He said, of my own self, I can't do anything. So when someone comes and says, how did you do that, Brother Philip? How did you accomplish that? How did you do that? What are you going to say? You're going to say, I didn't, brother. I didn't. God helped me. It was God who strengthened. It was God who did that. You see, if, if you leave my presence and you're impressed with me, I failed. But if you leave my presence thinking about how good God is, impressed with God, then I have succeeded. And that's true for you too. So, yeah, so do you see the way Jesus, Jesus could not have gotten from the earth, from heaven to earth without humility, and humility was affected by what he thought, and who, he was, who was he thinking about? Number one, he was thinking about his father, pleasing his father. 
And number two, he was thinking about us who so desperately needed him. My third question, who was he not thinking about? He was not thinking about what he's going to have to lose, what he's going to have to go through, what it's, how, what, how he's going to be inconvenienced. But isn't that the filter through which when someone asks something of us, what do we, what's that going to cost me? How's that going to inconvenience me? Uh, how's that going to affect me? Me, 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 me. Pride. Hallelujah. The other thing we got to quickly point out before we leave is it, humility shows up not only in your thoughts that you have, what's motivating your thoughts. And I like this, you know, all of your thoughts are even being, they're either being fueled and driven by humility or pride. Yep. Yeah. One or the other. Yeah. That's good. The flow of your thought life moment by moment. What's fueling it? The force of humility, serving others, it's not about me, or me-centered, yeah. self-centered. Okay? Then the other thing that we see in this wonderful passage in Philippians, I'll point out and I think I'll be done, is that uh, it says that in his humility, he obeyed. He obeyed. Everyone say, he obeyed. He obeyed. What does a humble person do? They obey. What would that tell you about a proud person? Amen. See, to disobey is a manifestation of pride. Always. Always. Always, always, always. Amen. But humility will help me obey. Right? You know, when pride's at work in us, what would, Je- what would have happened to us, to the human race, if when the call came from the Father to the Son to go to the earth, become man, a man, become a redeemer, He started reasoning. Or asking questions. Well, what about, and what about, and what about, and what about? Is there any evidence that Jesus did that? With the call on His life to be the Messiah? No. No questions. You know when I ask someone to do something, they start asking me a ton of questions? Yeah. Challenging questions. If they can't just, if it's not immoral, unscriptural, unethical, and I ask somebody to do something, and they have any regard for me as their pastor, they should just do it. And if I say, this is the way I'd like this, this is the way, I want all all your paint strokes to be vertical, not horizontal. And if the question comes out of you, why? That's pride. That's a flow of rebellion. Reasonings. Pride reasons. Pride questions. You know another thing pride does? It delays. It argues. It rebels. But humility hears God speak and unquestionably, promptly obeys. Why? Because they know. A humble person knows. He's God, I'm not. He's the boss, I'm not. He's good and He's always working on my behalf. It's always working toward my good. And if you believe those things, and you really are submitted to God, you'll stop reasoning away scriptures you're reading and skipping over them because you don't want to be accountable to them. That's God speaking. That's God speaking. It says if you're not married, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. You're not going to just read over that scripture and say, la, 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 I didn't read that. 
if you really have honor for God and regard for God, you're going to just unquestionably obey. You won't spend six months brand new in your Christian life struggling with tithing. You just do it. You'll understand a lot more about it as you go on. But a humble person says, he's God, I'm not. If he says that, he is. From this day forward, I'm a tither. That's what humility does. That's what humility looks like. Amen? Hallelujah. So humility is going to show up where? In our thoughts. If I'm humble, I'm not thinking about me, what's good for me, how's it going to affect me. I'm thinking about my father. What would please my father? What does my father want? And then I'm thinking about others. I'm, I'm not, I am regarding, Philippians says, do you think about your own things, but not your own things only. Right. You're also looking after the welfare and the interests of others, not yourself. Right. Amen. 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 I try to live by the code, God first, others second, and me last. That's a real simple recipe. If you don't uh, remember anything I said today, you can, that'll change your life right there. If you leave this place... And adopt that as your motto. God first, others second, and me last. Amen. And you'll, that's the position God blesses. That's the position you want to be in. Amen. Amen? Why? Because the last shall be first. And the one pressing to be first in line all the time is going to end up last. That's what Jesus said. In the end... In the end of this journey that began in our Christmas story with Jesus, where did Jesus end up? He ended up in the highest of the highest of the high place. And He only was given that highest of the high place. You want to know why? Because He went to the lowest of the low. There's no distance. Anyone's traveled from high to low greater than His distance. He was God and is God incarnate. Uh And He went to the region of the damned. And that's why He's deserving of that name that's above every name. But the principle for you and me in the kingdom is the same. How many of you want to go up? I do. My hand's up. I want to go up. I want to go up. Some of you don't want to go up. Okay. I want to go up. In the kingdom, do you know the path up? The sign in the kingdom that shows the path up looks like that. Big yellow sign with an arrow says, Bring yourself low. Not in a a degrading way, but in a way, there's nothing beneath me. I'm willing to serve in any capacity. My only heart is to please the Father and to help others. And I'll sweep the floor. I'll take it. Whatever. Whatever. Doesn't matter to me. Are you with me? Did you get anything out of that today? God wants to promote us all. I don't have time to take you to those scriptures, but God wants to exalt us all. Amen. Jesus didn't get exalted because He was divinity. He was exalted because He was humble. And you won't be exalted in the kingdom because you're all that. You'll be taken as high as you are willing to go low. It's be a great way, a great moment to recruit volunteers for the church, but I'm going to let it go. But if you're not working, if you're not serving, and you call this church home, you're missing out. You're waiting for God to promote you. 
And he's waiting on you to serve. Amen. 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 Father, we love you so much.